This is Women Work Wonder. I'm Naomi, a college student. Join me as I sit down with some of the most amazing women, from homemakers to entrepreneurs to dancers. You'll hear stories of how these changemakers crafted paths of their own. For this first guest, I had the pleasure of attending her talk on the power of the African women, and I was blown away by her passion for normalizing difficult conversations and creating connections. Please welcome Ms. Chulu Chansa. Well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm quite honored to be given this opportunity to speak to your platform. I work, I guess, full time. I work at a, a school and I'm in the admissions office. I kind of do a number of things, um, but I think probably the the work that gives me most joy at work is uh, being a mentor to the students. So we have a mentorship program and, you know, we just help them to mm-hmm. uh, adapt and um, to advocate for themselves. And, you know, if you notice anything is wrong and things like that, then you're able to assist them. I also have a business, um, which is a, a wedding cake business. And so I am quite busy with that as well. And I am also the founder of the Africana Woman blog. And the Africana Woman blog was basically born out of, I guess, necessity. In the African culture, we we have this, we have a culture of silence, you know, and uh, women and I guess even just everyone is just told, well, anything that happens in the home should stay in the home and you're not taught to seek for help or, um, seek uh, advice or refuge in other spaces or even whether it's within your family, it's just, everything is just shut down and, you know, there is a way out there. There are people who want to help you. There are resources. So that's basically what the Africana Woman blog is about. I also have uh, weekly conversations on Instagram Live, which I call A Taste of Culture. And this is conversations with African women from across the world. And we just talk about different topics that are related to what we go through as women. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) But I also um, volunteer with um, United World Colleges, which is an organization you are quite familiar with. It's a a group of um, 18 schools and it brings together students from all over the world. And our mission is to promote peace and sustainability Mm -hmm. in the world. So I I am on the national committee I am also um, on the governance body of the United World Colleges, and I also um, started a short course, which is called Exceptional Youth. So I'm the coordinator for the short course, and it's it, the main focus is really getting um, students, because we look at um, the ages of 15 to 18, to really begin to understand who they are mm-hmm. and um not have to be influenced by what others uh, want them to be. So I think probably that sums up what I do. Were these careers floating around as possibilities mm-hmm. when you were younger? Because to me, it seems quite uh, intertwined mm-hmm. how they build mm-hmm. upon each other. Um, they definitely are quite intertwined. And I think uh, from my own experience, just having grown up, I have always been, I guess, sort of like, 
different, <laughs> um, opinionated, I guess, mm-hmm. and um, quite strong-willed. I've always been someone who has been interested in in multiple things. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and as I was growing up, you know, I had quite a lot of, over the years, I had lots of different things that I said I wanted to do. I said I wanted to be an architect. I said I wanted to be in the hospitality industry. I wanted to do uh, PR and advertising. And <laughs> I had quite a number of things as I was growing up. But I guess all of those things are kind of people-centered and um, creative but I, w- I do recall a conversation that I had with um, an aunt of mine. Probably I was probably about 12 and she was asking me, okay, what do you want to do? Um, you know, I said, oh, okay, I want to be an architect. And she says, well, at the end of the day, do what you want to do. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. So you'll be most successful in what you are passionate about, what mm actually makes you happy and not what makes other people happy. And that was definitely strange (laughs) Uh, coming because, you know, most of the other adults in my life would be like, you know, do something that makes you money, makes you money. I kind of want to talk about a taste of culture. As you said, it's your series on Instagram Mm -hmm. of important conversations with African women. What are some of the things that you talk about on there? the more Eurocentric culture is um, is founded on um, an individualistic culture, whereas an African culture is founded on um, a collectivist culture. So, you know, it's very much about family and um, the collective. The collective is more important, basically, than, than um, you know, the individual. So, you know, when you're trying to translate these um, concepts of well-being into a collectivist culture, it's it can be challenging. And we don't have those conversations. We don't have um, material, I should say, that actually speaks to how does one handle or how does one navigate the... Um, the wellness space in our culture, in the African culture. For example, you know, if somebody says, oh, I, I, you know, I just need some space there, you know, with their family and, or, you know, um, they have some sort of disagreement or things like that. They'll say, I just need some space. The African culture will say, you know, what do you mean you need space? (laughs) There's no such thing like that, you know? So our Mm. conversations are basically, you know, how do you have, how do you get to that space of well-being, good mental health, in the society that we're in, in the culture that we exist in. It's not going to go anywhere, but, Mm. you know, we still have to find that balance. So one of the things Mm -hmm. that I, uh, one of the principles that I speak about is it's in a slogan that says, know your, know your roots and grow your purpose. So know is an acronym that stands for um, knowledge, nourish, obedience, and weakness. So knowledge is basically really understanding and knowing what your culture is. Coming from the African culture, a lot of things have been distorted, especially through the years of uh, colonialism. Some of the things in culture were distorted so that 
um, right now we believe that is what our culture is, but it's not actually so. It's because of what happened when people came into our country and told us that, oh, you're, um, you know, we had healers. Um, and then we were told, no, those are not the right, you know, those are practicing witchcraft. So they can't really help you. You have to go and um, follow our Western medicines and things like that. Right, right. So there's, you know, there's different things that we've been taught that that we just need to go back and really understand, is this what our culture really says? And then when we talk about nourishment, we need to understand that the things that we are exposed to, that we expose ourselves to rather, affect us. And it's not just nourishment in terms of the foods that we eat, even the things we listen to, the things we watch, the things, um, you know, the, the types of environments we place ourselves into. We may want to think that, no, it doesn't affect me, you know, but it does on a very subconscious level. So I think a a lot of people get um, get sidelined because of what they allow into their their being. Basically, are you watching things that are that are basically helping you? Are you watching things that send you messages that that you're not worthy? You know, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then we have obedience. I believe that everybody has a purpose on this earth. We have been sent here to do something, but we, we kind of have, and we know that this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but we're kind we're, we're scared. We're afraid to take on that thing because maybe my family doesn't, won't believe in it, or it won't make me as much money, or, you know, we've got all these fears that are blocking us from our purpose. If you allowed yourself and gave yourself permission to just go and do what you're passionate about, you will find that happy balance. And it does. And I, I just want to say on suc- um, the definition mm-hmm. of success, it doesn't mean that you have to um, have a lot of money. You don't have to because you can live a very comfortable life. You can, as you know, you've got your all your bills paid and you're doing something that you actually enjoy and actually are um, excited about. And then finally, weakness. I think a lot of people have uh, a very uh, negative relationship with failure, but we have this um, relationship with failure and I guess in a sense being weak and thinking that, oh, because it didn't work out that one time, then I'm not, I cannot, then I'm not, this is not meant for me. It, I was not meant to pursue this, but I, we have to have a better relationship with the word failure because it helps us to be the best version of ourselves. Mm. Speaking of failure, do you have an example that you'd be happy to share and maybe explain how you bounce back mm. from it? Oh gosh. Okay. No, I know. I can give you one. So my cake business, <laughs> my cake business, there was one year, um, you know, you've got those high seasons or, um, you know, like the festive seasons. So you've got Christmas, you've got yeah. Valentine's, yeah. everybody wants something on those days. So one Valentine's, we decided that, okay, we're going to do this big promotion. We'll get lots of clients, da da da, and all of that. So we did our advertising. The advertising worked so well. We got so many orders and um, it, it was basically, we bit more than we can chew. And it was just uh-huh. too much. <laughs> I think we had 30 
cakes right. and uh, close to 250 cupcakes. And we had to do the delivery wow. and, you know, delivery to the other town. Deli- it was so much. I was literally uh, crying when I was making these cupcakes, you know, <laughs> I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so we managed, I think we delivered about three quarters of the, the orders, but then we failed to deliver a quarter of the orders. Um, you know, a lot of people were obviously very upset. They were disappointed that we had not delivered. So we had to um, send out apologies to our clients. We put out a, an announcement on our um, social media, just, you know, really just apologizing, explaining what happened and taking full responsibility for what happened um, and refunding people. So from that, I learned that, you know, especially when you're, uh, you know, you're, you've just started a business. Yes, it can be great to have all these orders, but you really need to make sure that you have the capacity, you, you have a strategy and a plan to make sure that you can execute um, whatever you say you are going to deliver. Because you also want to make sure that, that what you are delivering is quality from this story, we can learn a lot about, you know, managing um, success, managing our time. Mm-hmm. And it, I'd love to know more about this, this uh, wedding cake business that you have. You say mm-hmm. it's a family business. So, you know, where is it based? And um, how did it, I, how did it um, begin? I come from a single uh, family, single parent home. Um, it's been my mother, myself and my sister, my younger sister and growing up, my mother has always been baking. She has, you know, on and off, she bakes, she's been baking birthday cakes. She's been baking all these kind of things. And as we're growing up, she basically has been teaching us and, you know, involving us in certain things. Like she say, Oh, go and make the icing or, you know, go and do this decoration or, Oh, can you do this cake? And, and slowly we've been learning how to do it. Um, whilst I was, um, you know, still a teenager, the time that she was retiring, you know, she was very worried to say, oh, I'm going to be so bored. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to be sitting at home. And I said to her, well, you don't have to do that. You can do your cake business as, um, let's do it seriously. Yeah. So we started with, um, and that was the time when uh, social media in Zambia was really just kicking off. And um, we re- our, our marketing strategy um, heavily relied on uh, social media. And that, I think, is probably what pushed us into our, um, our success to be one of the leading baking, um, baking companies. So at that time, uh, we are based in um, Kabwe, which is a... It's kind of central Zambia. Is is the name of the company or the, the place? Oh, the name of the company, we called it Kumushi. Um, Kumushi is um, uh, basically, okay. uh, I guess a direct translation would be um, from the village. It speaks to it being um, home-based. Like there's a thing in Zambia, this is something else I talk about, that, or I guess just in Africa, is always being, is always looking at foreign things as the better thing. 
So, you know, maybe it's restaurants. They'll want to go to that foreign-owned restaurant because then it's classified as, oh, that's like better quality, better standards. Or they want, when it comes to purchasing things, uh, they will happily go into a foreign-owned shop and buy whatever it is. But if you, as a, a local and a Zambian national, is is selling the exact same thing, they will start bargaining with you and start trying to reduce your your price and the value of what it is. You know, so mm-hmm. I think there needs to be a shift in our ourselves as customers to be able to find value and to really support local businesses. I think that's that's been the, the biggest struggle and uh, challenge. I think that's kind of amazing that um, you focus on that because I don't think it's easy to see and question these things about society since they're quite ingrained mm-hmm. in us. So did you already begin to question these things and have these values when you were young? Mm. I think they formed when I was young. Um I think they formed when I was young. Like I said, I come from a single parent home. So my mother, she, you know, she did everything to make sure that we had a very comfortable, you know, had a comfortable life. We weren't like stinking rich or even rich for that much, but we were comfortable. And that's because of what she, um, her work ethic and, you know, what she believed in. And, you know, if she saw something she thought was wrong, she would speak up against it. So I think just watching her and even um, my extended family as well, they are, um, it's, it's actually funny. I was just having this conversation. Last week, my grandfather passed away. So we were at his funeral on Monday and he was an amazing individual. He, um, just to give you a little bit of history, uh, Zambia for quite a number of years, when we, after we gained independence, we went through a, a, a dictatorship. So a one state party and my grandfather and some, I guess, some other gentlemen formed a resistance and um, basically attempted a coup. So they were found out and put into, thrown into jail, put on death row. And soon after that, um, we eventually managed to get a multi-state party. And then the new president that came in um, was able to pardon them for um, that particular act of treason. So, you know, when we we were talking about it with my family at the, at the funeral, we thought, oh, wow, this is something that has just, that is like innately in us in terms of, you know, um, just going for what you actually believe in when you strongly believe in something, really pushing for it and really, standing up for for not only our own rights but you know everybody else's and trying to just um make sure that we live in a society that is beneficial that that um that helps us to thrive wow i think that's a really important thing which leads us on to the next part about uh youth empowerment and helping the community what's something mm. you would tell college students if they're feeling a little discouraged about trying to make a change? 
When you look at apartheid in South Africa, the time that um, it it actually began to to change and the government saw that, okay, this is no longer acceptable. We need to find, there needs to be a change. It was the youth who went out on the streets and it wasn't even like 20 year olds. This was school going children that were out on the streets that were protesting. And unfortunately, you know, there was bloodshed and all sorts of things. There have been so many, um, changes in in societies and in movements that have been youth led you don't need to know what's going to happen um what are the the steps like to get to the point to your goal all you need to do is take that first step and what i have found is when you stand in your truth it gives others the space to also stand in their truth so they will come with you because they will be attracted to you and suddenly you find that you're not alone. You're actually a whole group of people and a whole movement because you were brave enough to just take that one leap of faith and stand in your truth. For me, it's also that dread of failure that traps me a little bit and mm. stops me from doing the things that I really care about. Mm. Uh, have you ever felt hesitant to do something that you've really wanted to do and mm, just yeah. worried to take I that think definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, one of the things that I have always been passionate about is books and uh, writing. And I've always said to myself, I want to write a book. I want to be an author. And it's just been one of those things that's been holding me back in terms of, oh, I don't know. You know, I've, I've, the stories I told myself in my head was, well, I don't know how to be an author. Oh, I didn't do English literature in college. I didn't, you know, do this and that. But at the end of the day, this is something I know that I have always wanted to do. So just in taking this first step of writing my blog, the Africana Woman blog, this is my journey to actually writing the book that I've always wanted to do. So I I was I was writing little pieces and people would say to me, "Oh, you're a good writer. You're, you know, good writer." And and it came um that compliment came uh quite a number of times till I decided, "You know what?" I need to start writing and I need to take myself seriously. I let me just do this. So I started writing the blog. And I and I think another thing that people also struggle with is they want to be perfect. They want to be perfect at whatever it is they're going to do or start. They want to know, they want to have everything properly lined up before they start something. And I would say, you know, just fall forward. It's okay, even if it's not perfect. Well, thank you so much for your wisdom mm -hmm. and time. I love chatting with you. And is there a way that we could reach you? Yes. So the best way to get connected with me is on Instagram. My handle is chulu, which is C-H-U-L-U -U underscore by design. From there, you will be linked to the Africana Woman blog. You be you have um, access to the Instagram lives and so many other things that I am doing. So go to Instagram. I am personally on Instagram all the time. So if you sent a message, it is me that's going to respond. Um, yeah, that's the best way to connect with me. Chulu underscore by design. Mm -hmm.